And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. Yeah, baby, bring it on! Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, let's just uh, take a second here to let this sink in. We'll live from the Octave Community Studios, 1 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, okay? This has been a weird show, so yeah, I'll take a break. It's been a weird show, really, since we started doing the show. Yeah. Just in general. Yeah. You're so weird. Yeah, well, that's fine. I'll take the blame. Everybody listening thinks I'm the weird one. Uh, look out the window. Is that not like spring training weather out there? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What's the temp outside, though? I, I don't know. It's a I little can't. chilly, isn't it still? Uh, maybe. A little chilly I'll, out I'll there. Up, but, uh, <laughs> let's see. It does look a little windy this ever since Mr. I said Mr. Buffalo actually. Boy right here. I'm so ashamed to actually admit it is a little chilly out there. 62. 62. 62 is not bad. Yeah, it's it's not 52. You get down into the 50s, it's a little brisk. Trying to get to, well, yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Weatherman. That's short sleeve uh, weather up in Buffalo, of course. 52 degrees. I didn't know you were a meteorologist. Um, Spring training, yeah, spring training for the D-backs starts tomorrow. I believe there's actually games today. And we got, I don't see a single cloud in the sky. Well, like, this is why... We live here in July. This is it right here. Yep. Yes. And we're out. We're actually out next week. We're out at Salt River. Monday and Tuesday. How about that? Uh-huh. There we Let's go, some baby. Baseball. Salt River Fields. Can't wait for that. Now I want to know who the D-backs play. And this is the yeah. one time you stopped Monday talking, and so Tuesday. And we're going to be out there. <laughs> Man, hey, we'll be up on that table, too. They set that table up out there yeah. on the pavilion. <laughs> it's going to be... <sighs> could be a little brisk. Bring a jacket, my friends. Um, they play Monday. Play the Cubs Monday. Okay. Play the Cubs Monday and the White Sox Tuesday. Okay. Get ready for that. Love that. Get ready for I love some that. Chicago wins out Chicago. there. Chicago. Yeah. Uh, all right. Back to football and the Cardinals building this culture. This is they're, they're doing this in the right order, right? Get your GM. Then get your coach. Then get your assistant coaches. Now, we all thought what's taking so long to get your coach, but they got him. Now you start to put that culture in place. And you start to, we played that clip earlier from, in fact, here, I'll just play it right now, Jonathan Gannon talking to DJ Humphreys. This is from Flight Plan. You've, you've got your coaches in place. Start talking to the players that you want and need to help implement that culture. Huge football character guy. So the high football character guys have to lead the other guys. Like, it's going to come from me. It's going to come from you. That's how the mission gets passed along. That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? Daily actions, man. That's what it's about. You know? This is great. This is really, really cool. A lot of times a coach is going to walk around and he's going to tell a guy what he needs him to do and and what he wants him to do and what kind of shape he's in right here. You you just don't get a guy, a a head coach in particular, walking around saying, this is how we want to model the culture here. You know what I mean? You just don't, you know, you get a guy, hey, listen, we need you to, you know, be the player that you are, of course, out left tackle out there and the leadership as well. We'd, he's telling him how he wants him to go about his business in terms of modeling the culture for everybody else. The assumption, of course, is there that, DJ, you're going to do that. <laughs> I, I absolutely love this. When you demand from a player, um, the success rate goes up. It just does. 
when you've got a coach that is demanding a player does something, so much of the time, that player wants to go out and do it. That's what coaching is. Reaching somebody and teaching somebody. Reaching somebody and inspiring somebody to do better. It's not like DJ. This is a dog. If ever there was a dog, it's DJ Humphreys. But even a dog needs to be reminded every now and then. Even a dog needs to be reminded. And that's exactly what JG was doing. I'm going to ask you a question that there's no way you could possibly know the answer to, and then that will amuse me because you're going to have to answer it. But how much of this do you think is Jonathan Gannon just naturally the way he is? And how much of it do you think is this is an intentional point of emphasis because it was lacking last year? This is, the, you know, I think this is the way he is. And the reason why I say that is look at the people he's hired. Look at the way they're speaking. Well, I think that's the better answer, right? If you're, if you're, it make a ton of sense for Michael Bidwell to be like, hey, I want a strong culture. I yes. want a strong message. Yes. I mean, he said that. Yes. And, 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 but over time, that could waver and get lost in the shuffle over years and years. Okay, now we're seven and ten, and that. If this is the way Jonathan Gannon is, and this is the way Nick Rollis and Drew Petzing are, then especially specifically Gannon, if this is the way Jonathan Gannon is, then that shouldn't be something that goes away. It should yeah. be pretty stable. Yeah, you, you know what's so cool about this, um, Mike Tomlin. Would you say Mike Tomlin is a good coach? Say yeah. He's never had a losing record, yes, and okay. he's had some eh, teams. Um, Mike Tomlin, the head coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers, is one of the best coaches, uh, for my money right now, one of the best in the world ever. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. He's going into the Hall of Fame as well. You watch. Tomlin? Uh, yes. Uh, Tomlin is going no into the Hall of Fame. Me. He's going in. You, you, it's it's really amazing when you think of Chuck Knoll, Hall of Fame. Um, oh my goodness, uh, this this is a situation where the Steelers they don't talk about culture, ladies and gentlemen. They don't. They just are. See what Jonathan Gannon is doing right now is what he has to do. You got to come in and you got to talk about it. You got to talk about exactly what you want out of your culture. What would be optimal is in three or four years where you don't talk about your culture. This is who we are. It just is, Luke. That's what you want to get to. It just is. But this is the way you've got to start it. You've got to build it from somewhere right now. This is day one. Listening to him talk to DJ Humphreys, a guy who's respected in the locker room, a guy who's one of your better players, a Pro Bowl caliber player. Your left tackle. You need him to be a guy that's going to model that culture for everybody else. You have to talk about it now. It goes back to what you were saying about the process. This this is part of the process in late February and March. And, you know, when you get to rookie camp and OTAs, this, this has to be the way it is because part of the issue with the last regime sure seemed to be we're going to trust guys to kind of just do the right thing and hold themselves accountable. Now, you know, that's that's kind of from the outside. I mean, we're around this team, and you're around it even more than I am, but we're around this team a lot. We talk to Cliff every week, and I'm sure we'll talk to Jonathan Gannon every week this uh, this season, but it seemed like as things started to go badly last year, it just seemed like a bunch of guys kind of doing their own thing. And and, and I, I respect this in Cliff, and I don't know that this was 100% the yeah. case, but it sure looked like he kind of expected guys to be adults. 
And okay, I'm going to trust you to do this. And that's that's great and that's admirable, but it's a 53 man roster of of a lot of different kinds of people and different personalities and guys coming in and out of the uh, that 53 man rotation and you know coaches were doing their own thing last year. You have to be accountable. That you has to be set so up. Good. I, I'm so glad you said that, Luke, because it is. You're so right. You have to be accountable right now. The the culture is adaptable. <laughs> I love that, man. Violent, smart, um, explosive. That is what JG from day one has been talking about. That is, those are the, the pillars, I would say, of the culture that I think the Arizona Cardinals are trying to build right now. Those are the pillars, those four right there. How they build on that, it remains to be seen. But I, I love where they're going. I love the direction, and I know how critical and how important it is because once you build that culture, everything is pulled through it, and you stop talking about it. You just are, and that's the point they want to get to. Especially, yeah, especially after the way things played out, and and I have to think that's a major reason why Jonathan Gannon uh, really appealed to them because they looked at this guy like, yeah, this is this is what he's all about before he even gets to this interview with us. Because the players take over, the players take over, and they're the ones who really cultivate that culture. Uh, we come back over to Suns. Kevin Olson is going to join us, and we're going to ask him when he thinks Kevin Durant's going to play because I know you're going to ask him that. <laughs> we're going to ask our own Suns guru some Suns questions next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I can see you out there, Kevin. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports, our son's mega mind, Kellen Olson, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. All right, Kellen Olsen is joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. we got Suns Thunder tonight. No KD tonight. Maybe Sunday. Maybe, maybe Wednesday. But either way, there's a, an important game now tonight. 22 of these left, and Kellen Olsen joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Kellen, how's it going, man? Doing well. Exciting times. Thanks for having me. Uh, we promise that uh, when uh, when when you try to answer our questions, we're not going to have thousands of people chanting over your uh, your responses. So it'll be a little <laughs> bit different than last Thursday. The I want to start here. Um, just the buzz around this team, and I, and I don't mean so much around the city or you know outside the practice facility, but like inside the practice facility with the players and the coaches. Have you seen a, a noticeable change the last couple weeks? I- I think so, and I think I think everyone can kind of point to the Sacramento game themselves, right, and just kind of see the amount of buzz the, the team was playing with on the court. But it's definitely around there. I mean, uh, Devin Booker told us himself we tried to kind of pry it out of him a bit, like, were you? When did you get back? What did you do during your break? He was like, "Oh yeah, no, I was here." And he's like, "Okay, well, what would you do?" And he's like, "Well, took the weekend off of it." He's like, "All right, what after?" And then he's like, "Yeah, I was here Monday." He was like, "Who were you here Monday with in the facility?" Were you there with Kevin Durant? He's like, yeah. Like, these guys are already getting after it. Like, a lot of people were taking vacations during the All-Star break, as they are obliged to do, of course. But Book and KD were back in the gym on Monday right away. And that just kind of sets the tone for what's going to be coming here over the next couple of months. I know the cuts you guys have been playing from DeAndre, and I'm sure, about how there's less smiling right now, and it's more about business right now. And I think the mentality around the team is going to change. The intensity around the team is going to change. But also just... 
they understand the expectations on them. And I think that when you play with someone like Kevin Durant, like they got a firsthand peek at it in the scrimmage yesterday just to see him in five on five. And I'm sure that's the expectations for themselves too. Like you can win it all with a guy like that. And I think everyone, if they didn't realize it already, they realize it now. Killer, just listening to you talk about Devin Booker right now, do you think we appreciate Devin Booker enough? Do you think we take him for granted, the superstar that he is, and yet his demeanor is just awesome? Do you think we take him for granted? I don't think I don't think we take it for granted. I think if anyone listening believes that they're taking it for granted, that they they should stop. But I think it's it's a thing that goes back to when the years were really rough and just how we see so many situations across the NBA outside of Phoenix that go south and guys demand trades. I think we could all agree that by the fourth or fifth year in Phoenix for him, he was at a point where he had really established himself and could have. It would have been understandable if he was a lot more negative about what was going on and just answering questions like just more honestly and, and, and with how he was feeling about everything was going on, how everything, not even about that, but just how everything was going. I mean, they had some ridiculous losing streaks over that stretch, but he, he said it uh, during, after they won the Western conference finals in 2021, like I just kept my head down and, and kept working. And that's really the part of it more than anything else, but also the fact that he's a, arguably a top 10 player in the league right now. And like I said, when, when Kevin Durant arrives, if anyone understands on the team what that means with him, like he was in there in the gym with him on Monday, and I think it's just really going to change the dynamic of the team as, as, as a whole. And I don't want to say a better or worse thing because I think like the spirit of the team you get from Mikel, Dario, and Cam, obviously that's going to be something that they're going to have to make up for in other ways, but it's, it's, it's going to be a different vibe. Talking to Kellen Olson. Um, Kellen, <laughs> I don't know how to answer this. I'm not sure you're going to know how to answer it. I don't know if anybody is going to know how to answer it, and that would be a good thing, I guess, for the Suns. But how are you supposed to defend a team with the mid-range shooters that this team has when everybody's healthy? Yeah, I, I don't really know, Luke. And honestly, I think that it has to do less with mid-range and, and more with just the dynamics of the offense as a whole. I wrote a really lengthy in-depth feature that went up on Tuesday on Kevin Durant in the, in the offense, and then yesterday's piece was focused on the defense. But within the offense, if you look at the four primary shot takers on this team prior to the trade, it was Mikel Bridges. We know he operates around those elbow actions. Those are something that Kevin ran a lot of in Brooklyn, but they were pretty uh, ABC, one, two, three. They were pretty simple. And, and the Suns run a lot of complex stuff throughout their offense, including at the elbow. It's going to free up a lot for him. You've got Chris Paul. Pick and roll ball handler brings the floor up, maneuvers, manipulates, and that's what Kevin Durant does as well. You look at Devin Booker and what he does in the half court offense, he comes around curling action. Kevin Durant can curl from either side, and that's the thing that not a lot of guys in the world can do. And then DeAndre Ayton, uh, one of the most efficient post players in the last three years, has been Kevin Durant. He shot 58% on post ups in the last three years, and that was on a shot and a half a game from there. So you can post him up. You can use him as a screener. You can put him anywhere in this offense, and it's going to work. So I think that obviously the mid-range is going to be the, the part of the floor that everyone dominates from. But it's just more so how they can plug him in anywhere because I don't know if there's anyone. Is there anyone in the league right now, I guess, other from Giannis and LeBron where you can say, like, yeah, they can set screens and, like, post up like a center, and then they can also just bring the ball up the court and run your offense like a point guard. Like, guys like that just don't really – Exists, and then the part that I wrote about yesterday was Durant can protect the rim too. Like his analytics there, protecting the rim are pretty good. He averages a block and a half a game. I think Suns fans are going to be really surprised by the type of defender that he is. What are you looking for tonight? Is there anything in particular you're going to look for, Killer? Yeah, well, I'm keeping an eye on the first wings off the bench because it actually has been Ish Wainwright lately, but the amount of games on his two-way contract ran out. So for Suns fans who aren't familiar now. 
issues on a two-way contract, and that has a limited number of NBA game days uh, act, being active on it. And Ish ran out, but he can still remain on the roster on that two-way contract. He can practice, travel with the team, be on the bench during the games and stuff, but he cannot suit up. He cannot be active. So he's going to be inactive as, as of right now. Uh, they, they have an open roster spot right now, which they could sign him to, but if they don't, they're going to need to find someone else to play those wing minutes, and that's the thing that's kind of stuck up on people in the last couple of weeks is that Ish has been one of the first two or three guys off the bench in that primary wing off the bench. So that's where you look at T.J. Warren. Could we see Darius Baisley after he got a week to get assimilated in the system? We'll, we'll see what does it mean in terms of campaign's introduction back possibly tonight or, or looking more at Sunday or Wednesday potentially. It, the shakeup in the, in the depth and who's going to emerge from three or four guys. That It was a really good audition period for them in the last couple of games, and, they, and they're going to get maybe one or two more here depending on how many more games it takes for Durant to get back. Yeah, we're talking to Kellen Olsen joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now along those lines, Kellen, when this team gets into the playoffs, in your opinion, what uh, what should the playoff rotation look like? I mean, it's, it's a lot different than just a regular season rotation. Do you want it to be eight, nine guys? And, and how many of those spots beyond the, the main four do you feel like are, are sufficiently locked up right now? I think that a couple of spots are, are locked up. I, I think that it locked up is, is, is probably, I don't want to say things are cemented, but I feel like Torrey Craig is, is obviously a guy that's going to be, so you got four guys. I'm thinking three or four other spots. You got him. I think campaign is the back of point guard is obvious. So that's really two or three more spots we're talking about. Josh Akogi with the way that he's been playing for the past month, which what, with what he brings defensively, I think he's a no brainer. And then for any of those spots, you can, you can really go through and it, backup center included because there are going to be some series where you probably don't want to play a backup center. And guess what? Kevin Durant can be your backup center. It's, <laughs> it's really a, a multitude of things they can do with. But honestly, the depth conversation, guys, is is important to have. But I, I think it's more important to just talk about the, the top four that they have and specifically that they have Kevin Durant on his team. And like something that I was looking up today that I, that I thought out of the back of my head was real and then I kind of looked it up. I don't think anyone realizes that Kevin Durant has been the final boss of the NBA for the past really 12 years. And what I mean by that is he's been healthy for 10 postseasons now. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, nine postseasons. In the nine postseasons that he's been healthy, he's either won the championship or gotten beat by the team that won the title. Mm. In 2010, he lost to the Lakers in the first round. They won the title. In 2011, they lost to the Mavs in the Western Conference Finals. They won the title. In 2012, lost to the Heat in the Finals. In 2014, lost to the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals. They won. Lost to the Warriors that next year. Lost to them. Warriors won the finals. Went to the Warriors. Won two straight championships. Then he goes to Brooklyn. You guys remember that second round, the two on the line? Uh-huh. Plays yeah. 48 minutes in game five. Scores 49, and they play 53 in game seven. <laughs> they lose to the Bucks. You, you guys remember that, of course. They beat the Suns. 2022, last year, they get swept by the Celtics. That's the only um, amend really there. It's, wow. it's pretty incredible what, what they've been able to do, uh, what he's been able to do specifically, I should say, and how much he matters in the scheme of like the postseason. So I know, I know the Damian Lee or Landry Shama conversation is big, but I've been just more being, been thinking more big picture, obviously, with how Durant really sways the league in more ways than people realize. How much pressure do you think he takes off Chris Paul? Or, or is there no way to take off at least external pressure on Chris Paul right now because he's the guy that has played the longest and done all he's done without winning a title, but maybe more so just on the floor? How much does uh, pressure does KD take off him? Yeah, I, I think it's a lot. And something Mikel Bridges talked about on J.J. Reddick's podcast, Old Man in the Three, he kind of alluded to how Chris Paul was getting a lot more back to the level of defense that he's been used to playing. And Mikel was talking about how a couple of things were coming together for them, and one of the things that he mentioned was Chris's defense specifically. And, and I think that's the one thing 
that's going to help a lot of these guys. I, I did get some feedback on, on the KDPs from like the people who watched him a lot more in Brooklyn, and they were a lot more hesitant on his defense. But I do think that all of these guys collectively together handling the ball is going to free them up to do more defensively. Like I think Devin Booker is going to be a lot better defensively in these last 20 games. I think that Chris Paul is going to be a lot better defensively, and I think Kevin Durant is going to be a lot better defensively as well. And all of that funnels into DeAndre, who I think yesterday really spoke with the intention of, like, my role, anchor of the defense. Like, that's what it is on this team. I think that he got a scrimmage in with Kevin Durant, saw what Kevin Durant was capable of. I was like, all right, I got to protect the rim, switch out, block shots, run the floor, rebound. And and it seems like that part of it sort of just being with Durant got through to him, at least like when we talked in like an hour afterward, it just seemed like that was really the type of experience where he was starting to get accustomed to the type of player that Durant is. Killer, I only have a couple of seconds here, and and right now I'm getting looks from command and control even asking this, but do you think that KD has built any type of relationship early, I know it's early, but with DeAndre Ayton taking him as little brother maybe under the wing, have you seen any of that? Yeah, he he talked about it yesterday. Uh, I I was asking DA just about the defensive responsibilities that they'll have together and how Durant gives them something they never had before because we talked about how Jay Crowder and we talked in the offseason like they need more size. They need like a true power forward. Well, Kevin Durant is the size of a true power forward and gives them that rim protector. So it's going to be really important for the relationship and how they work with chemistry and camaraderie on the defensive end for those two. And DeAndre said KD was telling him, like, yo, I trust you to switch. Go switch. And then KD was kind of pumping him up and telling him, like, these dudes can't score on us. We got this. Like, it's that type of stuff is already happening between those two. And, and you guys saw, you, you'll remember in those first 10, 15 games when Chris Paul was here, how much he was getting on DA and how much he understands DA is the X factor. Kevin Durant understands that, too. And he understands how critical – someone like DeAndre is to their success. So I guarantee that's already been happening, and DeAndre told us told us as much. Kellen, great stuff as always, man. We'll look forward to reading your stuff here throughout the stretch run in the playoffs. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks, thanks Killer. That's uh, Kellen Olson joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. And text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, what is Drew Petzing's first impression of Kyler Murray? Well, he told us, and we're going to react to it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I want to know who my representative is. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Louisiana. Murder on the beat. All right, Wolf. I've learned from my uh, previous mistakes, okay? Maybe I haven't. Sure. I've got eight Drew Petzing cuts here, talking about Kyler Murray. Okay. Anything you want to hear <laughs> since last time you rolled five of them into one cut? i got to bust it up here right. just for a second. I have no idea what this song is, but it, uh, it's got a little song, song, a little beat right here. Um, I'm sure they're ready to kick into it as well, right? This is the baseline for your next Michael Porter Jr. song. <laughs> I like that, man. That's good. Do they ever kick it in? Do they? Okay. Oh, I can feel that right now, right? Cruising. That's what I'm talking about. A little bass. 
What was your question? That's a real How about this? Pick a number one through eight, and I'll play the audio clip. Okay, um, let's go with the divine number of seven, please. All right, here we go. This is Drew Petzing's first impressions of Kyler Murray. Look at that. That's exactly what we teased. Beautiful. The way that he's attacking his rehab and just the, his competitive nature and, and how much winning matters to him is is really impressive. Um, I think it's uh, it's been fun to see. It's been fun to be around, even in a short time. So uh, it's got me you know excited to, to see him and coach him these you know moving forward. It really is important just building the relationship and building that trust going forward. And this is going to be a situation you get one opportunity to make a first impression, as we all know. Um, and that goes two ways. That's a two-way street, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just the coach reaching out, of course, to the player, but it's also got to be the player wanting to be reached and this is the reason why i continue to say kyler murray this is a a still point moment in, in his career right now yes he's coming off this acl I, I i said it at the time and i i didn't like it when i said it but i felt it and when he blew his knee out a couple of days after it it was way too early for me to say it it was it it, it was inappropriate in my opinion but I said, this might be the best thing that has happened to Kyler Murray. The fact that he's going to have an awful lot of time to reflect on his career and reflect on what has happened and reflect on his, um, his ability to go out and change the career path that he's on right now. Because it was really, really good. For Kyler Murray, he can play in this league. Now he's just got to evolve as a player, as a person, and in an offense. Realistically, even if you were a skeptic when they drafted Kyler Murray, or you were a skeptic that he could, you know, ultimately get this team where you want it to get to, for the first two and a half seasons of his career, you really couldn't have any complaints. No, could you? I mean, he no. was rookie of the year. He he improved his second year. The first half of his third year, he looked like. An MVP candidate, and that wasn't a local thing, that was nationally, and then the wheels came off and yep. then they stayed off last year. So, I mean, this is a pivotal time, and Drew Petzing is right there. You're right. It's it's a two-way street. Kyler Murray is is the most pivotal piece of, of Kyler Murray taking the next step. But now Drew Petzing, a guy that most Cardinals fans didn't even know his name three weeks ago, four weeks ago, certainly when the season was wrapping up, is is instantly extremely important in this whole equation. Because he's right at the forefront of it in terms of these new coaches yeah. working with Kyler Murray. Okay, what what was the coach, the position coach of Drew Petzing with the Cleveland Browns? What was his position? Well, it's, I mean, I don't think it's a mistake or accident that they brought in a quarterback's coach. The quarterback coach, exactly right. So the next step up from quarterback coach so much of the time is offensive coordinator. But never forget, he's a he's a quarterback coach at heart. And this is the guy that you want working with Kyler Murray on a day-to-day basis. This is the perfect solution to that. A guy that's going to have to reach him, but Kyler's going to want to be reached, if you know what I mean. He's got to embrace that. And if he doesn't, run, because we're all in trouble if he doesn't do that. Because nobody in the world, including Sean Payton, would be able to reach Kyler Murray if he didn't want to be. 
I think he wants to be reached. I, I don't think Kyler Murray is is, uh, is real keen on the the season that they had last year either. Um, but the question is how how much how badly do you want it? You know, it's like that old saying: Do you want to win or do you hate to lose? You got to at a certain point there, you have to hate to lose to get where they uh, they want to go. And they this team can't get where they want to go without Kyler Murray at this point. The way it's yep. constructed, the fastest way to get back to relevance in this league is through Kyler Murray. Now the wrinkle, of course, is that he's out and he's hurt and he's probably going to miss games at the start of the season. So Drew Petzing was asked about that. How do you prepare Kyler specifically for a new offensive scheme while he can't even play? A lot of that's going to come from the meeting rooms. Uh, certainly, you know, expect him to still be involved in, in the meetings at walkthroughs. I know it's something, you know, we'll meet with him and he's, you know, he puts in time to make sure that he's ready to go. Um, so a lot of it may be more oriented to the classroom, whether it's quizzes or watching tape or asking questions. Um, he's been extremely engaged even in these few couple of days when we really, you know, we're not talking a lot of football. Um, you know, I think he's ready to go. He's chomping at the bit. Um, so it's something that, that I think he'll get via I fully trust him to be able to grasp and understand the offense, even though he's not going to get the physical reps during training. Did he actually just say right there, we're not talking a lot of football? Did he say that? Play again? I, I thought so what it, that's what he said that's right what there. it sounded like. We're not talking about it. Rick, did you hear that right there? <laughs> so I'm looking at Rick in command and control. Forget about it. Did, did he say that? That's what he said. I just heard him say that. So maybe he's totally trying to get to know Kyler Murray on a personal level. Yeah. It's not talking a lot of football. It's a unique situation to come in, right? And you're, hey, this is your first job as an offensive coordinator. Here you go. You're going to be an offensive coordinator of a team that a lot of people view as having a franchise quarterback. Like, that's not typically where you get your first offensive coordinator job, right? You're going to no. step in with a guy that was number one overall pick just a few years ago and he's viewed as a franchise quarterback. And then also, he can't play right now. <laughs> you know, like that, that's a very unique situation in very strange circumstances. Uh, he also talked... Well, I, actually, I want to stay on that for a second because I remember when we were getting towards the end of the season and you could kind of see the writing on the wall that they were probably willing to make a move away from Cliff, but they hadn't done it yet. One of the things you brought up a few times was... Now there's there's a twist here with Kyler Murray out. Are you willing to switch it, switch yeah, head coaches right. and bring in a whole new scheme when he's not going to be able to to run through it? Yes. So now here we are. That's exactly what they're doing. Yes, and you know again, he, it's it's a valid point. He can't go out and wrap it on the field, but he can do it in the meeting rooms. And you know what? In a weird kind of way. In a weird, strange kind of way, Basinonians, this is exactly the way you'd want it. Because Kyler doesn't have problems repping a lot of plays out on the field. It's, it's more about preparing himself. That's what I think the Cardinals want to see. Him prepare himself more. And that's all the film room stuff. That's all he that can you do right do. now. And that's greasing it up. It's all, he's got to learn the game all over again. This is, you hear me continue to say this. He's got to fall in love with the game base and earnings all over again by learning the game all over again. Not not just the new age offense, but the old as well. He's got to embrace it. He's got to learn it. Maybe the fact that he can't actually go out and rep it will actually help him focus even more inside the film room, inside the meeting room, on the grease board. Interesting. All right, we come back. Final segment of the week, and it has been a wild week around the world of sports. We're going to take you through all of it with our work week wrap-up next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, final segment of the week here on the Wolf and Luke Show, and that, of course, means it's time for the Work Week Wrap-Up. We're going to go through everything that happened starting on Monday. Monday. No, Monday, the D-backs reportedly open to a long-term contract with their 22-year-old outfielder, Corbin Carroll. Here's Mike Hazen when he joined us this week. There's not really expectations. It's, it's a dangerous game to play with young players. Every player, no matter how talented, they have to learn the game at this level through success and failure. Man, I love that when Mike said that. It's so true. Don't put the expectation on him. It's such an easy thing to do. Oh, yes, of course. This young guy is developing so well. We've got huge expectations for him. That's not what Mike said, man. Mike was like, hey, let this guy go through the process of becoming good. Success and failure. This is the next challenge here for Mike Hazen and that D-backs front office is what that report alluded to. Are you willing to pay a guy like Corbin Carroll, who's only played 32 major league games, like he's going to be an all-star? But then is he willing to take it as, I'm just going to be an all-star. I'm not going to be like the best player in the league. Like this, Are they going to be able to meet on a long-term contract in the middle because you're in a division with the Dodgers and Padres. I am so jacked up, man, about the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, I'm not saying they're going to go to the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to win the whole thing based on I'm not saying that. I'm saying I think they're going to be really fun to watch. Let's see. Care to venture a guess on what their over-under is for wins? What would you, if you just had to pick a number right now? 75. It is 74 and a half. That's their over-under, yeah. (laughs) I promise you I did not say that. You don't have to promise me. I know you have to say that. Oh, my goodness. They won 74 last year, I think. I feel like they're going to improve a little bit, at least. Yeah. Um, You know, just because they set the number there doesn't mean that that's what it's going to be. I I would go higher than that myself, but that's what I thought. 75, yeah. All right, uh, on to Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, uh, Football Morning in America's Peter King joined the show to discuss his conversation with Jonathan Gannon and the offense the Cardinals could be running. Talked about how Kyler Murray's viewed around the NFL right now. Jonathan Gannon says, um, I want to have two different offenses, one from under center and one in the gun. Boy, I hated that when Peter said it. Peter, what are you talking about? Two different offenses. Um, that was music to my ears, ladies and gentlemen. Is that the happiest you've ever been doing radio? It just it made me feel good. I'm sorry. It did because, you know, the old and the new. You've heard it, Basin audience. I know you've heard it. That's exactly what I was talking about. Two significant offenses. You got to have it. You got to blend the two in order to actually compete in today's NFL. All right, Daniel Jeremiah released his mock draft 2.0 on Tuesday. Has Jalen Carter going first, Bryce Young going two, and then Tyree Wilson going to the Cardinals at number three. Here's Lance Zerline. Tyree Wilson. Let's do it. You know, you've got Will Anderson Jr., um, who everyone is putting there, including myself. But the fact is, from a trait standpoint, Will Anderson's got pretty good traits also. But from a trait standpoint and upside standpoint, I think there is a little bit more excitement about Tyree Wilson. 
Yeah, that that no, <laughs> no. I'll take Will Anderson, yeah, that's, please. That's that's cool. Give me a football player every day. Give me a football player through and through. I don't want to talk about traits. You got to have traits. Yeah. Does he have the requisite traits to be an excellent edge player in the NFL, Will Anderson? Yes, he does. Okay. What kind of football player is he? Ooh, legendary. Loves the game. I'll take him all day. Yeah, the number three pick is not where you get fancy and try to outthink everybody else. You just take the best player. Wednesday. On to Wednesday, uh, James Jones said Kevin Durant is ramping up and getting close. No, not internally. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes around on the internet about when he'll be back, um, but we're still in a wait-and-see approach. Uh, like I said, we're in his final stages of his recovery, so if he's back in a week, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm just not really sure what that exact timeout looks like. And then Wolf, uh, Mike Hazen joined our show and said payroll means nothing to him. Payroll is irrelevant to me, right? I mean, everybody has the challenges and, and what they have to do to build a team, and um, no, nobody ever creates the perfect team, and there's no nothing that's going to create the perfect team, and so that 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 dynamic is irrelevant to me. We're we're in the we're in the business of finding really good baseball players wherever we can. Yeah, I loved what Mike said there, but uh, in particular, the final countdown. That's what I I wanted to say. That the final countdown after the first Katie. Light, yeah, well, there would be more Katie in here. Uh, final countdown, please. Remember the last time you sang on uh, on Wednesday, and you you mentioned that uh, we built the city, and it started this like poll of what the, uh, the worst I, I song of all stop time was. Laughing, if I recall, yeah, it, it was one of those it's hilarious. Moments. Except it's been stuck in my head for two yeah. days, and it's completely your fault. Um, so, command and control asked the audience what the worst song of all time is. Is, all right, yeah. and they tallied the uh, the votes. Here's third place. Third place was a tie. Look at this photograph. What does the Up in the history of mashups. I'm gonna have nightmares after that. Yeah, the, okay, the first one got me. That was right. bad. And then there was a tie for second place too. I hesitate to play this, but I'm going to. But Wolf the winner and is still undefeated, even though I would strongly vote for Thunder by Imagine Dragons. Here's number one. This. No, you did not. Although, uh, I haven't heard this yet, and I'm going to click it, and I'm going to apologize to everybody. I'm guessing this is worse than any of them. Here's Jarrett Carlin. Oh, I won't lie. We need help with tight ends. Mm, don't know why we need help with tight ends. <laughs> now, to be fair, that doesn't that qualify as a right song. Though, though, with tight ends. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, at, least, well done, at least the other songs we played were actual music. Also known as Greg Brady. But right now, I, I might change his nickname. To what? Mask. How about that? <laughs> They're going to say Paul or John yeah. or any of the other Beatles after yeah, that. No, thank no. you. Uh, here, according to Sham Sharani, the Suns, Kevin Durant, eyeing Wednesday's game against the Hornets as his uh, Suns debut. 75 years later. <laughs> well, 
I'm just playing stuff. I what? don't even know what it is. Maloney Are put it in serious? here, and I just trusting her to Who play. Who said that, Mel? SpongeBob. Oh, okay. Thank you, SpongeBob. It feels like it's been like seventy years. I haven't years. watched SpongeBob in ten years. Well, go listen to Lincoln Park first, and then okay. you can watch SpongeBob. Yeah. Do we have any Lincoln Park we just fire off right now? We have I mean, like three minutes left in the entire I week. I've done that before the show. Um, here's the Cardinals introducing Nick Rollis as their new DC. Buddha sets the standard on how you play this game. It is violent. It is high motor, twenty four seven. And I'm just picking one guy out. There's all guy. There's all kinds of guys on this defense that play to that standard. And we're going to continue to demand to push that even further, and for everyone to be at that standard of playing violently and being explosive. You can't receive a higher compliment as a football player than that. Isn't that right, Buddha? Uh, here's Aaron Rodgers emerging from his darkness retreat that apparently had lights in it. It's just wrapping your head around uh, the silence and then dealing with uh, your thoughts and and everything that comes with the isolation. Have we heard from him yet? Has he has he come out with any? Has he said what team he's going to play on? No, okay. no, the isolation right there. You, you had lights. You turned lights on. Come on, you know you did, Aaron. Right? It's more of a dimness retreat than a darkness retreat. Yeah. If you have light. It's just we kind of hit the dimmer oh, on the it's lights. Dim in here. That's worse, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It really is. Yeah, because then your eyes are like, am I supposed to be adjusting to the lights dark or the light? Or dark. Yeah, the penumbra between light and dark. That's what penumbra is, ladies and gentlemen. It's the gray. That's the worst. Uh, Coyotes lost to the Flames, snapped their nine-game point streak. Here's Thursday. Thursday. Thursday, Michael Bidwell joining Bickley and Murata. The issues around Coach Payton were had nothing to do with the money, the compensation that we would be paying him. It was all the compensation, the, the draft compensation right. to the Saints. And we just weren't willing to go what, with what the Saints wanted. Well, that's not speculation. That's the owner who yeah. made the decision saying that. And when he said we, um, the first person I thought of was Monty Ossenport. <laughs> I'm sure he was like, what? They want what? No. You want me to come in here and give away picks? Yeah. I'm trying to no. rebuild the roster? We need those picks to rebuild. Uh, Kevin Durant's ruled out of tonight's game. Well, we're waiting. <laughs> Judge smells. Broncos hiring uh, Vance Joseph as their D.C. Cardinals introducing Drew Petzing as their <laughs> offensive coordinator. Here's Jonathan Gannon. You just have to have the accountability and the people in the room to check yourself. Like, hey, J.G., like, that's not what you talked about. That's not what we said we we're going to do. Yeah, you're right. My bad. Okay. And then you get back on the path. So um, I'll, I'm a big person on roles. Like, once you define roles for people and what you're accountable for, um, who you're accountable to, and what's the expectation of your role. All right. Accountability is so important right now. If you're listening, if you're out there, everybody needs that one person, at least one, that can walk up to you and slap you in the face, metaphorically speaking, challenge you and ask you what you're doing. Think about it. Friday. Friday, uh, Jeff Rogers joined the show. I don't have time to play that cut, but I do have time to play this cut from DeAndre Ayton as the Suns get ready to take on the Thunder tonight. This is scary, man. You know, because I think everybody's competitive level has risen a little bit. You know, the atmosphere around the facility has, I don't know, I wouldn't say got intense, but it's definitely made denser when it comes to handling business. And, you know, more playing games. 
you know, less smiles, more seriousness and damage. Everything's more ominous with this song. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Peace and spirit. Peace.